and welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, I'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 21, which is titled Make a Wish. The episode aired on May 8th, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Happy birthday to my mommy. Aww. May 8th is her birthday. So happy, happy birthday, Lori. Happy birthday, Lori. Um, as for headlines... For the first time ever, a computer defeats a chess world champion as IBM's Deep Blue supercomputer defeats Gary Kasparov in a six-game chess match. Disco fans everywhere celebrate as the Bee Gees are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Breakdown starring Kurt Russell debuts and takes the number one spot at box office, beating fellow newcomer, a far more memorable movie, Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Hel- yeah, baby. Hello, my childhood. <laughs> Um, and hypnotized by the notorious B.I.G. takes the number one spot on the music charts. Daniel, what else is on? What else was on? Uh, at 8 p.m., Friends had the star-studded episode, The One with the Ultimate Fighting Champion, guest starring, listen to this murderer's row, John Favreau, who we mentioned, I think, a couple episodes ago that he was doing a little mini guest arc uh, on there. John Favreau, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, and uh, actual ultimate fighting champion and one-time professional wrestler, David Tank Abbott. Uh, so very star-studded lineup in this week's Friends episode. That That's a... That's an amalgamation of people. It that sure is. It certainly like, is. <laughs> I don't really have a ton of nostalgia for Friends. Like it's it's fine. Like passive entertainment. I'm not really gonna seek it out at this point. But this is one that I like. Kind of want to go watch just because it's like, how did they fit all of this into one episode? Like, seems we, we, seems to be a lot. We do often yell pivot, pivot as <laughs> yeah. we're as we're carrying. I've, stuff, I've seen but... like three episodes of Friends. Like I when I came when I came to Netflix, I was like. You know, I really liked How Am I Your Mother. People keep telling me if I like that, I'd like Friends. And nah, just didn't, didn't click it's, for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I know a lot of people, I know, like, it's become a trendy thing now to, like, pretend like Friends was never good at all. And it's like, I don't know that I go that far with it, but it's definitely not something that I have, like I said, heavy nostalgia for where I'm, like, going to go seek it out. Yeah. It's, it's to me, it's like, it's Jiffy Lube show. Like, it's the show that's on in the background while you're waiting to get your oil changed, you know? Like, it's, it's nothing, it's, you know? It's like bougie Seinfeld. Like, none yeah. of them are good people. Yeah. They're all idiots. They're all narcissists. That's true. And I guess, too, now that I'm thinking about this episode, too, like, I, I'm thinking, like, John Favreau is obviously a huge name for us now because of, like, Mandalorian and, you know, MCU stuff and everything. But in 1997, John Favreau was not a household name at all. So he doesn't really match the rest of this cast here of, like, you know, obviously not on Robin Williams and Billy Crystal's level in 1997. But still uh, an interesting. Excuse you. Excuse you, sir. He was a household name in my household because in he was in Deep Impact. He was in, in Deep Impact. Come on. He was in, in my household. I knew his name because he was in Deep Impact. He was one of the astronauts. All right. We've spent entirely to save, too much that time tried on, on Friends. Unsuccessfully to save the planet, go watch Deep Impact. We, we've spent entirely too much time on Friends for to be an ER podcast. So we will move on to 8.30 p.m. Suddenly, Susan, with the episode, I will see... Or, The episode, I Will See That and Raise You, Susan. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld checked in with The Muffin Tops. And is that another classic one? I wasn't sure. I read the description and it didn't ring a bell with me, but I'm not as big of a Seinfeld fan as you. It's another one that's just absolutely, it's it's one that sticks out in my head for sure. Yeah. Uh, And then at 9.30, Fired Up uh, checked in with A Concurrent Affair. Uh, this week's episode had 34.8 million uh, viewers tuning in, up just, uh, I think actually it's a couple of million from last week's episode. So we're, we're headed into the end of the season uh, spike here. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his fifth out of 31 episodes that he would direct. Uh, previous ones of his from this season include Tribes and Ghosts. This week's episode is written by the team of Joe Sachs, doing his second of 35 episodes. Previous one of his we talked about was A Shift in the Night. Uh, and Lydia Woodward doing her 13th out of 27. Previous ones of hers from this season include The Long Way Around, Ask Me No Questions, I'll Tell You No Lies, and Let the Games Begin. Um, but our Previously On ER is brought to us by Carol, and notably in this Previously On, the montage shows all three of the quote-unquote suspects from the last episode. The three people that you're led to believe that it could be. So... Hmm. Hmm. So good, good catch, Lizzie, for pointing that out while we yeah, were watching. Yeah, we'll see this how week. that plays out. But are we open the episode with some audio for you. Uh, Carter is looking for Benton. He has some something to ask. Doctor Benton, 
Carter, what are you doing here? Let's get an ABG in 20 minutes, okay? I thought uh, you were covering the ER today. I'm honored if you. Listen, I need to talk to you. Well, you better make it fast. I've got two admissions, a clinic, and an aneurysm with Dean Rowe. I've been thinking about that kidney donor case last week, the one where I left to go check on the patients during the debriefing. Instead of listening to two of the finest transplant surgeons in the country? Yeah, I guess so. And I've just been wondering, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Well, if you're still here in two minutes, you are. No, I mean, Sergio, obviously I love it, and I still feel very challenged by it, but are there ever days where you don't feel quite satisfied? Carter, sometimes the patient dies. Yeah, I know, but otherwise. Otherwise what? Well, it just feels like sometimes they exist for us to do procedures. Well, that's what they come here for. And we don't need to know anything else about them, like how worried they are, or where they went to high school, or whether they like cats or dogs. Carter, what are you talking about? Well, sometimes I like to know the other stuff. What for? I mean, if you... Ah, damn. Um, listen, we'll, uh, we'll talk later. Change is in the air, my friends. <laughs> I love getting to hear them have on-the-level conversations with each other. Like, it's... Yeah. We've arrived. Like, we have arrived at the Carter and Benton dynamic, and I'm so happy for it. That will culminate at the end of Season 6, and I'm absolutely... Uh, I just... I love all the setup in this episode just because I love where it's going and I love Carter all that much more once he gets down to the ER next season. And ah. Spoilers. <laughs> Whatever. We got work to do they, here. We got to finish up season three. Yeah. I'm already thinking ahead. This is the penultimate episode <laughs> of the season. I'm, my brain's already in season four because ah, so many good things. We've got a whole episode to discuss that coming up. Um, so we have Anna... Oh my god, I didn't write her last name down, and I can never remember it. Delamico. Uh, yes, yeah. we have Anna Delamico, new arrival to the ER. Randy and Carol talking at the admit desk, and Anna is complaining about the security um, interview process and just how thorough the guy was. And Randy um, and somebody's like, "Oh, you know, it's not like you can just walk into the White House." And Randy's like, "I've done it. It's not that hard." Uh. so a uh, classic randy b eh, that hasn't aged so well Uh. um and we find out that security is cracking down because of what happened to mark so that's why anna's um intake stuff took a little bit longer was just because security is going extra hard on making sure the people who are there should be there um we find out also that mark is returning to work after only a week off so that seems like kind of fast yeah only a lot it's fine it's fine. Yep. And then in the kind of B or C plot, probably C plot for this episode, it's Carol's birthday. And um, she kicks Doug in the butt for mentioning her birthday and wanting to plan a surprise party for her. So they have a lot of really cute back and forth. And they are really setting up for Carol and Doug to officially get back together in this episode. And see, going back to something a little bit earlier, I think it's weird that you they refer to her as Anna because like, I just think Dr. Delamico is such a fun name to say. Yeah, you also you yeah. you also judged me for calling Dr. Keaton Abby. Well, that's because there's another okay, Abby. That's like another problem. Yeah, that's Abby. because there's another major Abby. So I'm also lazy, and it's less <laughs> syllables to say Anna. So fair enough. For the sake I'm of efficiency, saying, it's just a little. I don't know. It's a fun name to say. So would you like me to try it? No. Yeah. Sure. Dr. Delamico. Nope. I prefer Anna. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Point taken. All right, well, moving on in the episode, Jeannie and Al are making out in the kitchen. Gross. Um, he doesn't He doesn't know what a French press is. Too soon. And- Too soon. <laughs> refer to, <sighs> go back and refer to Lounge Episode 1 in the free feed if you would like that reference to make sense. But too soon. Just, we'll leave it at this that. This one is uh, not shattered. So. Not a part of Daniel's thumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so this is probably just some... Just some class whiplash from me, raising being raised as a middle in a middle class family, but like Al is like freaking out about having a microwave. He's very he's an excited and, boy about this microwave. Yeah, no, like he's absolutely thrilled about getting a microwave, and he was like, and he tells Jeannie, "You never let me have one because it broke down the vitamins." So I don't know, so the exact science behind that, but just it just. It boggles my middle-class white mind. (laughs) My take wasn't that he had never had one growing up. It was that as a married couple, they had never had one in the house 
because of what he says, where he's like, oh, you never wanted one because of the vitamins. So I don't think he necessarily never had one. I think it was just in their adult life together. Well, if you say I always wanted a microwave. Yeah, but I took it as within their i don't know yeah i don't know about the vit- like and she she says you know oh i was wrong about the vitamins thing but there was obviously there was that whole like mythos around microwaves when they first came out about how like men weren't supposed to stand directly in front of them while they were operating <laughs> because it would make you sterile or whatever like there's there was lots of like you know urban legends about microwaves and don't stand with it open yeah like there was just all sorts of stuff in- involving microwaves so yeah. See, really, that's the reason why I'm trans, just because I stood in front of microwaves too long <laughs> as a child. Oh, boy. So we go from there. Uh, surprise, Carla is in labor two months early. Great. Uh, Coburn called Benton down so that he could be part of the birth. Uh, we do get a weird little character bit in this uh, in the labor here. We have this uh, very distinctly Irish OB nurse uh, who they keep going back to. Like, kind of reminded me a little bit of back in season one. Remember, we had that one random episode where there was a chaplain who yeah. was all like, or like a, not even a chaplain. She was like a nun or something. Like, she was just very, had this like strange amount of significance applied to her uh, to be a one-off character a little bit of the same thing here they keep going back to this um irish ob nurse um she's very like very good actress and a very like um i really I, I like that accent and i like the way that she like talks it was very soothing sounding so she did yeah i she want fit more the her. scene she fit the scene very well uh she's played by actress named named barbara dowling i'm a suit it's it's spelled in a very phonetically irish way so i'm assuming it's barbara but uh, Barbara Dowling, who had appearances in shows like Murder, She Wrote, Star Trek Voyager, and Crossing Jordan, among other things. Um, and unfortunately, we did uh, lose her in 2016. So she is no longer with us. And we come into this episode with some bangs. 21 for 21 on the season on the bangs. Can't imagine that's going to change can... next week. I was going to say, let's see if we can go for a full season sweep next week. Shut out on uh, the but... twinkles. But Mark is back. And oh my God, his makeup. Like, excellent, excellent work by the prosthetics department with Mark. Again, this episode, just to make it look like his face, he should not be at work, my friends. No. Like, like absolutely, there's no possible way he should be working with a cast on his arm, with his face still all fucking jacked up, his stitches still in. It's just... Ugh. Ribs still busted. Yeah. yeah he's he just... Mm. He's a walking train wreck. Which will be a theme. Train wrecks will be a theme of this episode. <laughs> Baby. Oh, I was thinking like literal train wreck. Like <laughs> no. Oh, you love it. So then the first big trauma comes in. It's a, a bicyclist versus a tour bus, and uh, Mark initially jumps up to go take it, and Doug tells him, "Oh, don't worry about it. Take it easy. We'll handle the traumas. You just settle back in today." So. Um, Doug's really protective of his best friend as always, and we go to Carla's labor, and Benton is backseat driving Coburn on the meds instead of coaching Carla through the breathing, and Coburn kind of yells at him like, hey, shut up, you're here for her, not for me, go be, go be with her, go be with your baby mama, help her out. Tell you guys tell me if uh, this was just my file that I was watching, or if it, it happened for you as well, I had like a weird like technical bit where they they kind of lose the audio quality when Coburn pulls Benton aside like it's almost like they didn't move the mics with the actors like it sounds like they are further away from the mics when she pulls him away and then as soon as they go back to where they're supposed to be the audio sounds fine so it was just kind of this weird like the like it just sounded like they were further away from the mics it was it was an unusual I mean she talked a little quieter because she was trying to like not like yell. Right. Yeah. She's like Carla to hear. whispering or not but, not whispering but talking lower. But it, yeah, it sounded just kind of like kind of no, echoey. Sounded to me. Not, not on Hulu. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I didn't watch it on Hulu. We, I usually do, but this this week I was doing stuff on the computer, so I was watching it on the computer with headphones on. So it might have just yeah, been my nothing, file. Nothing we noticed, but we could have also missed it as we are wont to do. And uh, speaking of missing things, uh, Carrie is going to be walking through uh, with a security consultant uh, to see how they can improve ER security so they can see more things going wrong. 
There'll be two additional security cameras here. And two at the employee's entrance. That's right. Now, the ambulance bay doors will be changed over to bulletproof glass, which will also add to your triage section, and the hospital has agreed to additional armed security in your waiting room. What about the bathrooms? Any security cameras in there? Unfortunately, privacy issues won't allow us to do that. Yeah, my assailant's privacy would have definitely been violated. We can only do what we can do, Dr. Green. Thank you, Mr. Biggers. Mark, it's nice to see you up and around, but what are you doing here? Working. It's nice to see you too, Trini. Mark, these additional security measures may not help, but they can't hurt. You know, I think everyone's overreacting. What we should really be changing is the way that we deal with patients and their families. Yeah, like, can't we keep them out of here? They're a pain in the ass. Your compassion knows no bounds, Randy. Oh, uh, Detective Warrington called. Can't make it by till later this afternoon. Okay. You really think that's who did this, some patient or family member? I think that gives them a good reason. Look, Louise Pearson, ankle x-ray, three hours ago. Where is it? Discharge orders written over an hour and a half ago. Chart's still here, so the guy's still here. I mean, come on. Med surge admission, 5.30 this morning, still here. Neuroconsult, ETA 7.15 this morning. Where are they? We keep these people hanging around. I'd get pissed off enough to clobber somebody. Before records clobbers me, I need you to sign off these charts from last week. Okay. Uh, I got them. Oh. Oh, I'm fine. Mark, my dude. You're not fine. On so many levels. So we go from there back to uh, Carla's labor, and uh, Dr. Delamico is in to... Uh, see, it is sing-songy. Dr. Delamico is there to assist with the Delamico. labor. Delamico? <laughs> she uh, has experience with over 200 deliveries uh, prior to this one, So because as soon as she comes in, they're like, well, how many times have you done this? And blah, 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 whatever. Um, and one of many kind of interesting cinematography choices in this episode, uh, there's a lot of like spinning camera stuff in this uh, scene, and it is... Uh, not great like it is it's a little little disorienting a little bit seasicknessy like it's it's not great but it's it's not the only kind of questionable cinematography choice in this episode which we'll touch on (laughs) a little bit later but that's where we leave it for now and then we have doyle oh my gosh so she brings some stuff in for mark in the lounge and it's like a stun gun taser pepper spray and she goes, well, I have cops in my family, so I can get you pretty much anything. You know, what do you want? You should really carry something, even if it's not a gun. Aye. And Carter comes in and welcomes Mark back. And then Mark's like, oh, I got to go. You know, something came up. I got to go. And Carter's standing in there with Doyle, like, looking at all this stuff on the table. And he picks up the pepper spray and goes, oh, so what's this? And sprays himself in the <laughs> eye and screams, I'm going to die. <laughs> Pretty sure that's what would happen to me if I was lo- if I carried pepper spray. It's one of... It's it's peak slapstick Carter and his reaction. Like, I wish an audio clip would have translated well, but it's so good. So good. And she's like, oh, shit, stay there. Stay there. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go get something. Just stay there. Like, Petition to make this the video clip for this episode. You know, you say that, and I just did that before we started recording. Like, I, did, ah. I pulled that exact clip in order. For, nice. Like, you love it when a plan comes together. Uh, so we go back to Carla's labor, and it is time to push. And oh, we get, dear. We get technically our first appearance of young baby Reese. Uh, it's not a good appearance, though. It's also not mm. actually Reese. It is a very plastic baby, but that's fine. Uh, it, he's bl- Lots of full of babies. <laughs> he is, quote, blue and floppy. Uh, always what you love to hear when a baby comes out. Uh, and, yeah, like we were saying, like, this is definitely from the closet full of babies, as we alluded to back on our interview with Darren, uh, the props guy from some of the later seasons. He referred to the, quote, closet full of babies that had all of the uh, silicone uh, baby dolls that they would use and how they would, like, break down over time and how some of the ones from these early seasons were, like, really kind of deteriorated. And fascinating conversation. Go listen to that interview. Um, but, yeah, this one is not not one of the – better examples of their prosthetic work uh but benton is still doing his screaming act screaming at anna uh instead of kind of letting her do her work because they're trying to innovate uh reese and get him breathing and all that so uh very stressful situation right here you can you can definitely feel the tension in that room and uh carol is rinsing carter's eyes out and just carter's sort of like like oh what was me everyone everyone hates me Anspa hates me. Ben looks at me like I'm some kind of alien. And Carol, uh, Carol and Carter are just so cute together. Like, there's a friendship that I hope to see more. I don't remember specifically if we see a lot more of like their specific friendship. I now, uh, I really once don't think we Carter do. Moves down, but I think I think it's pretty much 
because I think starting with next season, it's pretty much going to be all Doug and Carol all the time and, and their drama. So yeah. it kind of, which they do. So- it kind of like diminishes all her other relationships. You know, she doesn't really get a chance to, to bro down with anybody because she's too busy having boyfriend drama. Get the inklings of that later this episode, but yeah. And then Carter also says like, as they're shooting the shit, he goes, and Mark walks out. Um, Carter goes, it's not my place to say, but he looks kind of bad. <laughs> It's just, it's so good. But um, I also want to note, this scene opens with just, we see a basin and like a trickle of water and it almost looks like someone's peeing into it mm-hmm. at first or like emptying a catheter. And then we pull up and we see, oh, it's Carol rinsing Carter's eyes out. But I initially was like, oh, gross when, <laughs> when we got into that. Um, but yeah. This is, uh, this is TV 14 probably. Show not TV NC seventeen. I, what I don't fuck? know. It's ten o'clock at night. They they could probably get away with somebody peeing. They're just not going to show them holding it. But I'm actually like speaking just random random aside. I am actually amazed at how many times they say fuck on Mad Men. Well, it's AMC. Seasons. But still, it's still cable. Yeah, that. Uh, do they say fuck that often? Really? They say, I think no. They I said think it they like say four it like... or five times throughout the season seven. Hmm. No. Yeah. I know they said shit. We should have kept Peggy, a tally. Peggy said it like three times. We should have kept a tally because I just I don't think I heard it that or noticed it that many times. It just they stood out. So maybe it's just because we're binging, we binge the seasons. So I don't know. We're done with Mad Men again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my life. Selling the tone, a Mad Men retrospective coming to a podcast network near you. <laughs> Not really. In six years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it by myself if I have to. Um. Anyway, what's going on with Carter? <laughs> uh carla is horrified excuse me my bad (laughs) so um carla's out of kind of like the this is a really disgusting way to say it but it's the way my brain wants to say it like the birthing trauma room yeah i i can't think of like what the yeah that's fair yeah the ob room um she's just she just looks really horrified and just startled as they wheel her out on the gurney from the ob room and like they're getting her own like bedroom set up and blame her no but just it's just like the look on her face is so well done and as they're waiting for her room to get it set up they can see into that room and there's already another couple in there holding their baby and it's in such a stark contrast with what carla and benton just went through and that's very well done um but then we flip over to carter assisting mark with a motor vehicle accident patient brought in by doris and Mark has been wincing throughout the episode so far with any hard movements that involve bending or agitating his ribs at all or anytime he gets bumped or jostled. Because so any- Mark, Mark shouldn't be back at work. So anytime he does anything. Right. Um, the patient is Harry Smith. He is a potential DUI. I want to note whose films are those. And he's seizing. Right on Mark's hand. Mm. What do we give? Which I didn't even catch. I didn't even catch it because the seizure came on so violently and quickly, and I was just already having a rough night that night that I kind of looked away. I did not rate this one. Gotcha. I asked Lizzie how how it kind of toned out, but yeah, we've seen better. We've seen better. We've seen worse, though. Yeah, I think it's just also the yeah. fact that he's seizing on Mark's hand. Like, that shit probably hurts. Uh, Mark, baby, what what is you doing? Not uh, Not facing his traumas? Not facing his own limitations as a human being? But after that, uh, we have our next audio for you. Benton's creeping around in the NICU uh, looking for Reese, and we're introduced to one of my favorite semi-side characters. This is, I think, our second time seeing him, because this is the one that is Benton it? had asked about uh, mm-hmm. Carla's diabetes oh, and yeah, threats to the true. baby. It's his second appearance, but it's the first time, I think it's definitely the first time he gets name-checked. Like, the last yeah. time he was yeah. just yeah. a random doc that if you looked, you I think you could read his, um, na- his uh, lab coat and read his name. Um, yeah. but they don't like call it out in the episodes. This is his first named appearance. Yeah. And this is the first time we see him like with this whole storyline where so he's what's more his, involved. So what's his name? Dr. Tabish. There what's, we go. Where's Tabish? Well, he's with another patient. What's he ordered? Everything. CBC, lights, blood cultures, what? Yes, all that. ABG, chest x-ray. Yes. Dr. Benton. Your son is stable at the moment. What labs have you ordered? Uh, we've done a complete septic workup. No, I need to know exactly what you've ordered. What uh, labs, what antibiotics. Dr. Benton, your son's heart rate is 170 and his pulse ox is 91 on 100% oxygen. 
We've taken a chest x-ray, drawn blood for CBC, lights, and ABG, and sent off a blood culture, a urine culture, an endotracheal aspirate culture, a spinal fluid culture, and started him on 100 milligrams of ampicillin and 6 milligrams of gentamicin. He was hypertensive with a blood pressure of 30 over 18, so he's received 5% albumin, 10 cc's per kilo, and we've started dopamine, 5 mics per kilo per minute. And we'll titrate to a map of 40. Now, what you need to know, what you need to share with this child's mother, is that at the moment the baby is stable but critically ill. Probably has a serious infection in his blood, and we don't know if his lungs can provide enough oxygen to sustain life. Unfortunately, we have no choice but to wait and see how he responds to the present therapy. Let's see how he's doing in an hour, and that's when we should talk again. What's your son's name, Dr. Benton? He doesn't have one. First off, I want to note, this is something I didn't catch when we were actually watching the episode because the visuals kind of help with it, but when we're just listening to this man deliver the audio, he has kind of an odd cadence to his voice. Yeah, like, yes, I like it. I, I do like it, but I was just like, I noticed, I was like, oh, that's really unique, and that's not something I would have caught like with the actual episode delivery because everything else going on kind of distracts from it. He would make a great pair with the uh, pathologist down in the morgue. Like they have a yes. similar type of like lilty, like back of the throat kind of talking. Like, yeah, it's very like it waves through it. Yeah, and kudos to this guy for being able to get through what I would imagine. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, what is probably the most medically complex list of bullshit that we have had on the show <laughs> up to this point. He fucking just blows through that entire, which it's supposed to like, you know, illustrate the overwhelming nature of this situation and how daunting it is. And it does a really good job of doing that. But like, holy shit, just for that actor to be able to get through that entire list. I mean, I, I want to know how many takes that took because damn, like I can't imagine, like I can just imagine him getting like to the very last one and then like fucking it up and having to start all over again. Like, it's just, Man, kudos to that guy. Holy shit. And I do have to say, as as the show's resident eight-week-old preemie, I did have to ask my mom what they had tested me for when I mm-hmm. came out early. It was nowhere near this long, but yeah, for me it was um, brain bleeds, eyesight, and lung function were the three that they were concerned about with me, and it was just like, you hear everything that's potentially wrong with this kid and everything they have to test for. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my god. Like I said, theme of this episode is train wrecks. It's true. It's really true. Medical fucking train wrecks. So we go out of there uh, to Doug. Okay, so I want to say off the top, this is some of my favorite. This is on par for, maybe not quite on the level, but pretty close to just one step below uh, when they were doing the little like feature thing on green, I think last season. And Doug does his whole, like, thing about Mark Green's rise to power and how he, like, thwarted his enemies and all that. Like, that was my, that's my, like, A plus S tier uh, Doug Ross moment. But this is pretty good. This is up there. Uh, Doug's bugging Carol about her birthday, you know, telling her that there's a surprise party being planned. And, uh, but he tells Carol that he's, he can get her out of it. You know, he tells, he's told the nurses that Carol can't make it because uh, the two of them are going to be having dinner tonight. Two of them being Doug and Carol. Uh, and Carol is very, you know, kind of coyly. She's like, why do I feel like you've trapped me into this? And like, they're definitely like setting up the, uh, the end game here with this. Like we're, we're putting Doug and Carol back together and you know, it's, I I know for a fact it's going to, you know, bear fruit at at the end of this season. Uh, so it's just like, they've done such a good job of building this organically. It does not feel forced. It does not feel rushed. This is how you do it. Um, but then we get this amazing comedic take from Clooney as he's leaving the room, like, cause he's doing his like coy, like I got away with one act and he's like trying to, you know, slide out of the room and get out of there. But you know, while he's ahead and Carol hucks a thing of gauze at him and misses him and it hits the door behind him as he's leaving the hallway. And he almost like slips on it to the point where it looks kind of legit. Like he almost slips on it as he's leaving. And as he's walking away, the camera is no longer focused on him. He is no longer the central focus of the scene, but you just hear Clooney in the hallway go, got some gauze out here. And it, I lost my shit. Like I lost it watching this episode. (laughs) Like I laughed out loud. It was just a pitch perfect take from Clooney. And I loved it so much. 
I love when they let him do comedy. Yes. Like true comedy, not just being smarmy, but actual shit like that. It's so good. So good. Like this is the kind of stuff that gets him into um burn after reading mm-hmm. and things like that later on is this time. Yeah, he has he has amazing right comedic timing. Yes. Why was that not the first one that came to mind? I don't know. Is, is he even in Burn After Reading? Yeah. I don't know. I've never I've seen You don't part like that it. movie. It's fine, whatever. It's not part of it. He builds it? the dildo chair for um for Fargo <laughs> what lady, a whose name is escaping me right uh, now. Francis McDormand. Yeah, Francis yes. McDormand. <sighs> I saw that in theaters with my parents. That was that was an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know what you were filled with that day? Regret. Yep. But it's such a good movie. I highly recommend it. Um but no, Oh Brother Where Art Thou is also a great one. For the longest time, I thought that was actually them singing. Okay, so now, now, okay. Random question. I have to ask. The yeah. dildo chair. Yeah. Is it a chair made out of dildos? Or is it a chair with a dildo, like, in the center? <laughs> like, you sit down on the dildo. Ugh. It's essentially the latter, but it's so much more than that that I just. Well, I'll put it this way: when everybody was in the, everybody's in the theater, and the character that he's playing goes, "I got, yeah. a, I got a surprise for you," and he unveils it, and then he pushes the chair, and like the rocking chair mechanism starts, and and we need to cut this whole thing because we're saying dildo far too many no, times. Don't. I'm so it's sorry, fine. listeners. But we write the, these episodes explicit for a reason. But the. The tool in question, like, comes up and down between, a like, a space in the legs of the chair. Oh, okay. And so... I'm like, the, the, oh, okay. I get it now. <laughs> so, but, but I it's, can visualize it but now. But it's so funny because in that theater, like, nobody's seen this before. We don't know what's coming. It's a Coen Brothers movie. And all of a sudden, the chair's going, and all you hear is this creaking of this homemade, just, death trap device, and the audience just awkwardly shuffling... <laughs> As we all, like, experience the shock together of what a fucking idiot George Clooney's character is. Because we've seen him, so he's like a retired CIA guy or whatever, and we've seen him down in the basement working really hard on stuff, and we think it's, like, for, like, weapons or, or like, spy equipment, and then this is what he unveils. <laughs> Please, Man's gotta have hobbies. I, I, need, I need to... Um, exist for a second after having to explain that so uh we go over to genie at admit and we find out carla and she finds out that carla was delivered an hour ago and uh anna says you know just gives a check-in on how the baby's doing not well not to put it lightly not well doug is going to check in on mark uh mark says about a week at home was about all i could take so but the police are coming by this afternoon to get more information about the attack uh Good luck with that, buddy. So then we have Benton is watching Reese through the NICU windows, and Jeannie comes up to check on him and give her condolences on the whole situation. And we find out that, among other things, he's got pneumonia, sepsis, and premature lungs. And we also learn that Carla asked Peter to wait out in the hall. Um, and Jeannie just mentions, you know, you do have friends, Peter. You have a community. You know, we're here if you ask for help. But stop waiting in the hall. And just really good moment between the two of them. And you can tell that she still cares about him and she still wants what's best for him. Yeah, I like the I like the dynamic that they've cultivated between the two of them. Like, mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that they've managed to pretty much with a few exceptions, like they've managed to pretty much keep them separated uh, for most of the season. Like after they had their little after Benton had his little temper tantrum in the immediate aftermath of her diagnosis reveal. Um, where he mm-hmm. was like, I don't want to work with her. I don't want to be around her, whatever. Like, they've pretty much kept them separate the whole season. Um, but there's still these little moments where, you know, they, they end up in the same place. And, and it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like you need to do any world building or anything to find a reason to bring them back together. You, They just are back together on screen, and you just accept it. And all of that history kind of comes rushing back. And it's, I don't know, I just really like where they're at um, character-wise at the moment. Uh, but we go from there down to Carter's next patient. He's checking in on a man with abdominal pain who takes uh, regularly takes eight tabs of ibuprofen a day. Holy shit, that is a lot. Uh, uh, that used to be me uh, until I switched my meds. Yikes. Good. Um, he'd been taking them for some knee pain. Uh, so this is a, a patient that we will we'll check back in with a little bit. This is going to be one, one of Carter's main patients for the episode, so we'll check back in with him a little bit later. As Carter is leaving... Um, 
Carrie stops in and wants to talk to him. Uh, Mark has made clear to Carrie that he is worried that the guy Carter was uh, speaking with has been waiting too long. So Green's still on his kind of don't make the patients wait or else they'll kick our ass crusade that he has been. He's been going on the whole episode. Yeah, because he wants a cause for what happened to him. And that's the easiest. I mean, yeah, it's the easiest one. Yeah, the most most ready made explanation. Then uh, we go over to Carol and Doug. They're trying to they're trying to treat a kid uh, with a who needs to have his wrist reduced, a wrist fracture reduced. Um, so they want to. Did we hear this right? No, we, no, we fucked it up. I realized after this part was done, we fucked this up. Let's say what we heard and then clarify we after. We thought we heard that they were going to give him a fentanyl laced lollipop. But really, what they were saying is that they need to give him a dose of fentanyl, but to do that, they are going to distract him with a lollipop, because the minute the two of them get close to him, he screams like a banshee. So that's why okay. that's why Doug has the shot and goes, okay, we're going to need that lollipop. <laughs> if, they, if there were fentanyl-laced lollipops, the opioid crisis would be a lot worse than it already is. <laughs> that's what I thought. The delivery so that's method. Why I was confused. If, if they could distill fentanyl down to a uh, lollipop form, I think we would be in a lot bigger trouble as a country than we already are. Yeah. yeah, it's already not great. Um, then we go go back upstairs to NICU for a little more audio between Benton and Dr. Tavish. I want to give it a little longer, but basically the surfactant didn't do much. He's still requiring 100% oxygen with high pressures on the ventilator. Okay, well, his mother's going to want to know everything that might happen. Dr. Benton, every parent in here wants to know what might happen. We just can't know for sure. You know, I... Uh, I did a peed surgery elective earlier this year, but I'm not up to speed on all of the uh, sequelae. You mean like retinopathy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, although his eyesight should be the least of our worries right now. We need to be more concerned about intraventricular hemorrhage, periventricular leukomalacia, necrotizing enterocolitis, and in a few weeks, bronchopulmonary dysplasia. All right, what do we do? Well, I'm concerned about the high vent pressures causing lung damage, so I want to switch him over to an oscillating ventilator, and we wait. You're right. This guy, like, try to imagine George Clooney saying all this dialogue. It wouldn't go well. It would not go well. (laughs) It would go fine, but it wouldn't come out nearly with that, like, lilting cadence, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do now. I want my my spinoff to be the pathologist down in the morgue and this guy. I want them to open a practice together and have a spinoff like and, and like, but it'd be audio only. Like, can they record a podcast? Like, can we get the two of them on a podcast to, to talk about it? And the radiologist. The, oh, Steve. Yes. Yeah. Steve, might, Steve, Steve, the, the radiologist. radiologist. Who isn't gone yet, believe it or not. Like, I mean, he's gone, but like not forever. Like we will see him again. But yeah, I just love how with, I just, one of the reasons I love Dr. Tab is just how matter of fact he is. Yeah. Which Benton, he doesn't let Benton get, emotional about this stuff because you can't get super emotional about you know because you're dealing with an impossible situation to begin with so and he sort of just boils it down directly into exactly what benton needs into the science of it and to you know what can we attack right now well you know while also keep an eye on the big picture but it's like okay right now we need to focus on the on the the ventilator Mm -hmm. let's focus on the ventilator then move on to X, Y, and Z. And just very, just tells Benton very straightforwardly. He just fits very well. He does. Mm-hmm. He adds a lot to it. I wish he had still been here when Abby was a NICU nurse. Yeah, that would have been a cool little little continuity beat. I know he's only around for, I think, six appearances total. Uh, and this is his second. So I would imagine he probably is somebody that once Reese is out of the woods, uh, will probably we probably won't see again. Um, so I imagine we'll lose him somewhere in early season four. Um, but yeah, he's one that I like, you know, we talked about earlier in the season, like the, the uh, ophthalmologist that Charlie saw came back for a brief appearance. They always bring Coburn back. They bring Kaysen back like year after year. Like it would have been cool if they could have brought this guy back somewhere further down the line because uh, he's he's good. Um, and then we have Carter, who is talking about the potential DUI patient from earlier, Harry, his urine test, and how we find out that he was on the way to a new job interview, and he was worried about the new job and potential drug testing, and Carter suspects he may have water toxicity, not alcohol poisoning. Or, you know, not not that he was drunk. So, Carter needs his labs back, because 
might be something else. See, this is why I don't drink as much water as I should, because I'm worried about water toxicity. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so why. this is an example of, of Carter asking more questions than is necessary, leading to him getting an answer he would not have gotten otherwise. Because right. the guy's mom tells him this, and like, Benton wouldn't have taken the time to find this nope. out. Like, this Most just of the ER out. docs wouldn't have yeah. either. I'm just using Benton as an example. I know, I'm just... but, but yes, you're right. Like, maybe Mark would have gotten it just by accident. Not this but, variation um, of Mark. No, oh, not, no. not, not today. current Mark, but uh, not today. But um, from there, we go over to Doug and Carol are popping Ralph's arm back into place. And he's like, oh, where's my dad? My dad usually sings to me. Can you sing to me to make me feel better? And they both laugh and they both sing some Dr. Demento camp granada and it's so good and i sang along is that who sings that yeah it's a dr demento today i learned if it, it might not be him but it was from his like cassette compilations oh. yeah i don't think it is him but it's from the compilations from his radio show today i learned uh but ant spa is consulting uh on the abdomen pain slash perforated ulcer and gets mad at calling guy carter calling him down for a second opinion because you know the guy clearly needs surgery and Carter tells the tells the gentleman, Mr. Lenski, that he does in fact need surgery. And who plays Mr. Lenski? He is played by kind of an O'Hay that guy, uh, Larry Brandenburg, who has probably uh, the the most like uh, damn uh, filmography of everybody in this episode. He was in stuff like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, The Untouchables, Fargo, and Shawshank Redemption, among other things. Like this guy knew how to pick them. Like he he was pretty much exclusively in good stuff. Uh, but this guy is adamantly refusing to have any sort of operation whatsoever. And Carter is doing Carter things and trying to get to the bottom of what the hell's going on here. And it turns out this guy's dad uh, died from gall- during a simple gallbladder surgery. Just didn't wake up. I love how the guy's like, we, we shouldn't have trusted that doctor and I'm not going to trust you. Yeah. yeah. He plays it really well. I really like this actor. Like he, mm-hmm. he does a really good job. Yeah. This is a, I think... You know, it's not one that everybody points to in Carter's growth arc is like, uh, remember when he had this conversation with this Blake? But it, I think it's a very important one. So, uh, but we go from, kind of solidifies this. It choice. does, yeah. It, he's he's headed in the right direction. But we go from there. Uh, we find out that Harry Smith's labs came back, and it was in fact water toxicity. So Carter's uh, Carter's hunch was right. Uh, Green does not seem to care though, because he's on his way to talk to the detective, who is. Uh, He's our the detective here is our high water mark uh, character actor for this episode actor Shoshani Hall which is just a great name love that name um, he appeared in stuff like the movie Friend Request Nightmare on Elm Street the original one Bruce Almighty and the television series Life he had a high water mark for the episode 110 credits to his name so he's our our most prolific oh hey it's that guy for this episode. Um, all the leads came out clear from last week's episode. No one on the list is considered a further suspect because they all had alibis or whatever. And uh, Mark is very disconcerted that there was no apprehended suspect. I think he was pinning a lot of his hopes on, you know, that you know that that need for order, that need for there to always be an explanation for something, um, is kind of weighing on him heavily here. And you know, just like as I was saying earlier, he's very short with Carter when he comes out of the lounge. He's not not interested in hearing about Carter's big discovery because he's so shook by what he hears from the detective here. So Mark's normal one continues. It's going great. Uh, not so great. Really not. And we've all been there where something shitty is going on. And we just want a clear cut answer and it can be so frustrating when it's not that simple. Oh, look, it's me right now. <laughs> I wasn't trying to name names. It's me right now with my lower back pain. It's Lizzie right now. Um, Let me go back to check on baby Reese, who does not have a name yet. And it's proposed that he receives, I think, nitric oxide is what they said, Mm. infused with his air supply to insist with oxidization. And the current treatment of just excess oxygen can risk brain damage. But if they do this other treatment, it risks potential brain bleeds, uh, retardation, and cerebral palsy. So not great either way. There's not really a a necessarily better of two evils here, but um, Benton is expected to take this information to Carla and explain it to her in a much more simple way that she'll be able to understand and make a decision. 
And uh, we go for to our next audio here. Um, it's Mark. He's taking a break. He's taking a breather. He's down by the riverfront, and Carrie joins him in for a talk. Mark. I'm an idiot, Carrie. I'm a complete idiot. Was that the police detective you've been waiting for? It wasn't an angry patient. It wasn't a family member of an angry patient. It wasn't Chris Law. It wasn't Mr. Gunther. It wasn't that crazy guy who was yelling about Krishna. It checked everybody out. Yeah. I thought I was remembering it piece by piece, like it was a puzzle. It was all going to come together. But the Chicago Police Department was nice enough to inform me that I am simply the victim of a random act of violence. Well, you knew that, Mark, patient or no patient. No. What I knew is that everything I do, every day of my life, I do because I'm not the victim. I treat the victim. I cure the victim. I watch them roll the victim out like a piece of meat. But the truth is, I'm the piece of meat. Yeah, but we can't think about that, can we? Because we're the ones who see what goes on out there. We're the ones who know that every single day some child is not going to make it home from school. Some father is not going to make it home from work. But if we allowed ourselves to think that could be us, we couldn't walk out our own front door. The problem is that is us. No, Mark, the problem is it makes us like everyone else. Oh. Doctors are human? Yeah, I know, right? That's what a radical concept that Mark has been confronted with in the most traumatic way possible. But what a concept. And also, as always, when we see this river walk, I miss my work. I miss my mm. office. I want to go back to the office. I'm sick of my apartment. I love you, Lizzie. When you can go back, we'll go down and we'll take some beautiful pictures along the river walk after. For, for all of our listeners. Yes, because it's completely different now from what it looks like here. Some pieces are the same, like that bridge they stand on. Oh, yeah, but. But the like the actual downstairs yeah. part of it is completely re- they've actually renovated. like developed it into like a bunch of shops, yeah, and stores and restaurants and stuff. So. so yes, when it's when it's August and we're vaccinated and everything's great, we will take pictures down on the river walk for everybody. I love your optimism. I'm I, that was my pessimism actually, but oh. okay, <laughs> let me have this. Please. Hey, she didn't. In fairness, what happened? In fairness, she did not specify August of what year. She just said August. It's true. <laughs> so what happens next? Uh, after that, we have uh, back. We got back-to-back audio clips for you. Uh, this next one features Carter walking down the hall, and he sees Anspa and calls him over. Doctor Anspa, I was just coming up to see you. Where in the hell is that perfed ulcer? We should have had him in and out two hours ago. Actually, that's why I wanted to talk. Mr. Linsky prefers not to have surgery. Well, nobody wants surgery. So, what? But I've discovered he doesn't really need it. Of course he needs it. There's a hole in his stomach. If we don't repair that perp, he's at risk for peritonitis, sepsis, death. If you look, there's the ulcer, but there actually is no leak. It spontaneously sealed itself off against the liver. This patient was redlined to the OR. Who in the hell ordered an upper GI? I did. You were supposed to consent him. He doesn't want surgery. He needs surgery. Maybe not. I found an article that shows me that he could be treated medically. Which is what he wants. You think this is about what he wants? Yeah. I guess, a little bit. Well, you're wrong, Carter. This job is about determining what a patient needs and the best way for us as surgeons to meet that need. And as surgeons, we cut. Dr. Anspa, as a doctor, if I can find a way to do what my patient wants that's medically acceptable, then I think that's what I should do. And I don't believe I should cut somebody open just because I can. It bothers me, Carter, that this patient is willing to risk death rather than undergo a simple surgical procedure. But you know, it bothers me even more that you're so willing to help him do that. Is this it? Like, did we, is this the moment? Is this, is this, this where the, John that, Carter and I think this is, born? is the moment. Yep, I think this is where John Carter... MD, special, uh, specialist in emergency medicine, emergency medicine resident. Baby Carter found dead in I the ditch. I think that's where this... Like, John Carter, MD, yeah. is here. Yep. Holy shit. The switch, I believe, has been flipped. Uh, I also want to note, they're in an empty trauma room and there's still films on the boards. Whose phones <laughs> are those? It's film, singular. Wouldn't be, it's a, just one, wouldn't be a scene in the trauma room. It's like one <laughs> head CT. Like, it's, it's sing- singular film. Uh, so then more bitchy Mark. He snaps at Lily because she's trying to get some quality assurance films filled out, forms filled out, and he's having none of it. He's just like, I'll do it when I do it. Leave him on the desk. Bye. 
Um, and then Doug looks super nice as he's getting ready, as he's getting ready to, um, that was some Michigan accent there and I apologize listeners, but as he's getting ready to take Carol out, E-Ray compliments him on his outfit and, um, E-Ray mentions that he's training the temp clerk for the night who's standing right there and Carol asks, oh, why do we need one? And E-Ray goes, I don't think that's any of your business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and carol just goes he is so odd where did we find him we got one e-ray left one e-ray he no. next next episode is it for e-ray so no drink it in discount alan alda no <laughs> store brand alan alda yeah i love he's him. just our appetizer before we get actual alan That's alda true. later on <laughs> Which is its own tragedy. I know. Yeah, I hate that story. I, I love hate that storyline. Yeah, because it hits home way too hard. It's a very, yeah, it's a very well done storyline, but it is heartbreaking. So uh, we go from there. So we go from one penultimate appearance to one final appearance uh, as Nina comes down to see Mark, and uh, he is super short with her. Uh, she asks if he's talked to the PTSD therapist that she recommended, uh, but he shuts her down. You know, denies he needs therapy. And Nina's like, you can tell she's taken aback by this. She's like, I don't you know, really like you trying to cover with me. And he's like, well, I don't like you trying to be a shrink with me. And, you know, going back to what we talked about when they had their like bowling alley date, because she mentions here, like, how's Rachel doing? And he's like, she's staying over at a friend's house again, very short. Um, but again, going back to what we talked about when they had their little bowling alley date, it's like they're much too intertwined with their children's lives here to only have date only have gone on like one or two dates and not be in a position to where they can talk to each other like this is going to cause all sorts of issues for their kids uh because this is it for them uh ostensibly i mean obviously they maybe they talk again off screen or maybe there's some official you know breakup or whatever uh but this is it for nina pomerantz uh she goes up those stairs much like greg did last week or week before uh goes up those stairs and is never seen again so Bye, Nina. It was it was Up fun while it lasted. Our hearts. Go watch Twister. <laughs> She'll live on forever. <laughs> then we go back up to uh, Peter. He's talking with Doctor Coburn, and you know, he's doing the he's doing the big boy thing. He apologizes for his behavior earlier during the delivery, and you know, he says today was the first day I was ever afraid. Uh, she's just sitting out there. Uh, he's just out there talking with her, and Carla's just sitting in her rocking chair without Reese. Just rocking back and forth a little bit. and uh, I hate this. I love this storyline, but I hate it so much. <laughs> There's a lot of those. <laughs> a yeah. lot of really good storylines that just shit in your heart. Yeah, and Ben tells Carla about the alternate treatment options. So, you know, actually is trying to respect her opinion on the matter. She doesn't always, what she doesn't always do with some of this, with some of the medical stuff surrounding Greece. Um, so then Carol and Doug go to the house so Carol can get changed for the restaurant out of her scrubs. And guess what? Everyone's there and screams surprise because it's a surprise party and Carol hates Doug. Um, and Jeannie gets home to Al, who is waiting in the driveway. And he set a lovely table with flowers and a present for Jeannie. Jeannie opens it and it's a garage door opener. And she was like, oh, you thought these are stupid. And he goes, I still do, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have one. And this is what happens when you communicate and work with your partner instead of belittling them and putting them down. You can both have things you want. You don't have to agree with what they think is great. But if it's harmless, let them have shit. Uh, And then we have our last audio of the episode for you here. Uh, Some more of Carol's part. This is special, Doug. I love having 20 people over, especially when I have so much to serve them. Here, peel an orange. You lighten up. They brought booze. Yeah, okay, I'll lighten up. I'll, uh, I'll just have a sip of this milk. You just drink that right out of the carton like that? What's wrong with that? Well, it's just kind of a guy thing to do. Um, yeah. So, Doug, what, what is all this about? What about? This little dance you did today. This, this party. You. Well, I know you haven't had very good birthdays the last couple of years. The, the ones I spent with you? Yeah, the ones I forgot. <laughs> and uh, I, just, I just thought it was time you have a nice one. You want a sip of milk? Yes, well, I would love a sip of this milk. Thank you. 
Thank you. Hi, do we were? Hi, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, sure. I know this isn't the right time or the right place, but I was just curious. Um, what would be involved with getting into emergency medicine? What do you mean? Well, if one wanted to change his residency, would you have to redo your intern year? Has one talked to Dr. Green about this? Ah. No, he saw how he was in the hall. Good God, if you needed a reminder that it was 1997, just listen to the audio in that clip. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. We're going to get copyright stricken by some random one-off 90s band. That sounds like Bush. Get a copyright strike from a frat house in 1997. But yay, Doug and Carol. Yay. Also, I love it. You drink milk like that? <laughs> yeah. As several uh, very, you'll like this, Lauren, from the pedantic department. As several people online pointed yes. out about this episode, uh, the carton of milk that she um, pulls out of the refrigerator is uh, a brand that is available only at regional grocery stores in California. Not in Illinois. Or Illinois, as Lizzie would say. Man. Uh, but yeah, immersion ruined. It's California milk, guys. We, we, Bulls tickets and right? now this. Shut it down. Like, show's Jeez. over. Let's hope somebody got fired for that. Maybe blunder. she just really likes it, so she has it flown in special. Because Carol can afford right. that. Have you seen her I house? Didn't, I didn't say it made sense. I'm just saying. Just saying. Just saying several people pointed it out. So, But are, are we ready for, for Doug and Carol finally next oh, season? Yeah. After yes. we let that yeah. breathe? They, like I said earlier, they have done a pitch-perfect job of building this organically it does not feel rushed this is and granted you know they didn't have um the luxury of this amount of time with mark and susan but if mark and susan was ever going to work it needed this amount of slow burn and it obviously didn't get it uh this has gotten it and it's working to perfection and it's setting us up perfectly for where we're going in season four very very well done a plus gold star for the writers on this one Uh, But we go from there to Mark going out to the parking garage by himself. They do a really good job of just making the the whole scene feel very claustrophobic. And you just feel his kind of apprehension and fear uh, building. Sees a man walking alone towards him in a kind of similar outfit to his assailant from the last uh, episode. And just gets like visibly freaked out. Kind of has to take a moment once he gets into the car and like... Mark's Mark's not going to be good for a while, so settle in with this version of Mark because he's going to be he's going to be a different guy pretty much well into the early part of season four. So uh, get used to it. We we lose Saint Mark for we a do. while. Yeah, we do. He has to kind of find himself mm-hmm. again. So just wait till he gets a gun. Hey, let's you know, season four. Hey, uh, hey. so excited. Um, so we go back to the party where uh, the uh, girls have put rings around Carol's candles so that her wishes come true. And they do the weird slow-mo and audio fade. This was the s- cinematography choice I was talking about earlier where this is like mm-hmm. the third time they have done this in this show with Carol. It's like they do it at like once a season where there has to be this weird slow-mo thing w- that revolves around Carol. Um, and I don't like it. Like I am not a fan of it. It nope. looks weird. It is like completely out of like it takes you out of the moment it's very i mean if you wanted to do it i would say do it uh with the candles and let that be it like the episode should have ended there like you you should have switched these two scenes around you should have put what's coming next first and then finished with the candles or you should have just not done the slow-mo at all like if you're going to do the slow-mo it needs to end the episode with her doing it with the candles otherwise this is just weird because it leads us into the next scene because it continues as we go up to the NICU. So weird. And it's really fucking disorienting. Mm-hmm. It, you, and it's just, it goes it goes through the NICU to Benton and Reese and just, why couldn't you do this with just a fucking, why couldn't you fucking just do this with a, with a slow pan? This, this weird choppy slow-mo is what my seizure auras look like. Oh. Yeah. Suddenly. One eye is completely normal speed and the other eye processes at this yeah, speed. It, it's, yeah. It's like, not not great it's fan. awful yeah it just it completely takes you out of the moment it undercuts everything you're supposed to be feeling about reese's situation here because it's you're just focused on how weird the scene looks yeah and yeah it's it's a really really strange note to end. i almost wonder if they were like 15 to 20 seconds short on the episode and they were just like how do we stretch this like they're, <laughs> they're like the kid in college who's trying mm-hmm. to like stretch out the paper to four pages and they're like what if we just like 
extend out this slow-mo thing huh what do you think about that like because there seems to be no purpose for it other than to just you know artificially extend the episode by 10 seconds like i don't yeah and to make us feel like we're motion sick yeah is a strange ending to an otherwise pretty solid episode yeah no this is a solid like eight and a half it was a solid nine out of ten until that last yeah, knocks it down half a point the last 30 seconds yeah like not there's really very little wasted space mm-hmm. if at all and yeah i just everything the payoffs the payoffs that we've been waiting for all season are coming to fruition mm-hmm. and i love yeah. it and it, i love it, it has an impossible act to follow from last week's episode like last week last oh, week's episode course. was just such a a heavy hitter of the highest order that this episode um has no business trying to follow and really doesn't like it follows up on the things that happened in last week's uh episode but it doesn't try to recreate the uh same sort of uh tension and chaos yeah and i think it's to its benefit because if it had i feel like it would have come off um it wouldn't have come off right so this this manages to to take the chaos of last week's episode and almost shift gears and go to into a different type of chaos the chaos is is really focused more on benton this episode and, and mm-hmm. with carla and reese and that whole thing um so yeah it does it, it doesn't try to follow up on last week's episode uh tone wise it does its own thing and i think it benefits from that it kind of like it almost lets it breathe and marinate in a way that it really needs to for the season four shit to make mm-hmm. sense. Where we see this is how he is right when he's coming back. It's not going to get better for right. him for a while. Like, yeah, it, it's it makes me very excited to get to, you know, the end of the. I mean, like you said, Lizzie, like we, we kind of already have one eye on season four because we're so close to it. And there's mm-hmm. so yeah, much we're already, good shit we're, coming. Like we're kind of just like, all right, let's hurry up and get done with season three. Um, but I do think they're. I, I think feel they're like gonna this is how we are at the end of every season. Yeah, but like I, we'll talk more in depth about it when we get to the wrap up episode. I do feel like this season has been different than the first two. I think the first two seasons did different things, and I was excited about other other things in different ways. This is, the, and I'll get into this more on the wrap up. This is, I think, the end of the prologue of ER. Everything up, everything yes. up to this point has been all world building, all like setting stages, setting characters, uh, arcs in motion, and we've been doing a lot of just like, all right, we're almost there, we're almost there, and then literally in this episode we get Carter on his track for the next what six years, like he's yeah. he's until he goes yeah, to Africa, he's there, like he's on his arc now for the next six years. Um, green like yes this doesn't bleed yes this bleeds into season four and it doesn't ultimately like define his arc for the rest of his time on the show but we have we have kind of dispensed with um early proto green like we're gonna get green mark green the character from here on out like so we're we're getting all those little threads kind of bearing fruit and everything and that's what makes us so excited to kind of get hustle through and get because we're so close to the end and we're so close to getting to some stuff that really is going to pay off and I'm very, very excited about that. So close yet so far away. Anything else, kids? This is a good yeah. one. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes. Season three coming soon. Uh, free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. And two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie reviews, where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone Facebook community at, on Facebook as well. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we talk about a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, begging for rates and reviews and sharing us with your friends. And you can find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Spider-Man, the City That Never Sleeps DLC. 
New episodes of that, are, of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.